This episode is powered by Untold Content's Innovation Storytelling Training. Increase buy-in for your best ideas in this immersive and interactive, story-driven experience, where your teams refine their storytelling techniques for their latest projects, prototypes, and pitches, plus get inspired by 25 epic examples of impactful innovation stories. Learn more at untoldcontent.com slash innovation storytelling training. Welcome to Untold Stories of Innovation, where we amplify untold stories of insight, impact, and innovation. Powered by Untold Content, I'm your host, Katie Trout-Taylor. Our guest today is Liana Shawali. She is the president and founder of Image Therapists International Incorporated and a globally recognized thought leader, style expert, mentor, and educator. Ms. Shawali provides transformation through the empowerment of wardrobe. And I cannot wait to talk more with you today about innovation storytelling and how it gets expressed in what we wear and in our self-images. Thank you so much for being here, Liana. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Thank you for making space for this um innovative thought idea, which it was 40 years ago or 35 years ago. When I first was telling people about this, they would say to me, what? You do? You want to do what? And I said, yeah, I want to marry and, and blend the worlds of therapy and the world of image and clothing, because wherever you go, there you are. And you can't, you can't like leave pieces of you behind. I mean, people try but that's called schizophrenia. <laughs> so I decided, I, I had this pivotal moment where I saw that amazing, powerful women were not bringing all of themselves to a conversation. Like a piece was always hidden because they were not masterful at it. And usually that piece was the masterpiece that we get to live in, our bodies. And I thought, how strange, you know, you have a triple PhD and you've raised kids and you speak tons of languages, but when it comes to this body, this masterpiece that we get to live our lives in, you have no mastery. So I set out on a journey to create mastery in the domain of your masterpiece. I love that that way of wording the story. (laughs) And, and, and there's a there's a surprise too to our conversation today, and I want to make sure we're including her too on the call. But JJ Snow, <laughs> who is the chief innovation officer of Air Force AFWorks, is also with us to talk about this marriage of uh, the way that we can think <laughs> more innovatively about our wardrobe and its its uh, its impact on our self images. So Liana, tell me more about, I I love the way that you word your body as a masterpiece. That is unique in and of itself. I don't think many of us look at it that way. Um, And I know, especially for women, um, you know, we have all kinds of issues around imposter syndrome and phenomena. We just did a a massive, the first meta-analysis on imposter syndrome at Untold Content recently with one of our clients. And it does impact women, impacts minorities more strongly in terms of feeling like you're not, um, you don't deserve to be at the table. So how does wardrobe play a role in that? Yeah, what a beautiful conversation you're starting. And for the world, beautiful conversation, Katie. So I've... um, I've known about, like in my body, known about and understood and lived the experience of the power 
of the empowerment of wardrobe. I've lived it since I was a child. And I've lived it in many different ways. And the, and the reason why you and I are even here talking about this and, and why Image Therapist International came to be and how the process of image therapy got born is actually my mother. So my mother is the reason for why this is even happening. Um, so years into my, you know, practice. I, I would call this a practice because it's a daily routine. It's like your skin and then there's your second skin, with which, which is your clothing. So you, our clothing is closer to us than our breastfeeding children. Mm-hmm. Our clothing is closer to us than our lover. Mm-hmm. Our clothing is constantly on our skin, speaking through our skin to our brain and our heart and our soul. And wherever we show up, that little conversation about how that clothing is fitting, how it feels, how it makes us feel, how, what we give it permission to show us up as, all of that comes into the room when you show up. And I've known that since I was a child, and I didn't realize that that was like the driving factor until my mom one day, I was speaking to like 2000 image consultants. I was doing a keynote in Washington, DC, and she lived in New York. And my mother and I have had a very tumultuous relationship, very difficult relationship until I was about 45. And so she comes into this room and she says, I want to hear you speak. I've never seen you speak on a big stage. She comes in, she gets the keynote. I don't realize that she's in the breakout session which has about 120 women in it. And I just say, please ask your questions at the end. And she starts speaking and I hear her voice and everything inside me just collapses. And I think, oh my God, what is this? My mom, what is she going to say? And she says, I don't have a question, but I have a comment. I want to tell you a story. And I'm at the front of the room losing my breath. And she says, And she says, I wanted to tell you that when I was a young woman, I was very sick in bed all the time. And my two and a half year old daughter would go into my closet and she would rip on the clothes until the hanger broke, bring everything laid out on top of the bed that I was sleeping in with the covers over my face because I was so sick and the shoes and the scarves and the hat and the purses. And then she'd come and she'd gently lift the covers and she'd whisper in my ear, mommy, Mommy, please get dressed because when you get dressed, then you will feel beautiful. And then you and I can go out and we can have fun together, Mommy. Mommy, please get dressed. And in tears, she continues and says, I could not follow my daughter's invitation, but you can. Because the same little girl that dressed me is the same woman that just taught you everything that she knows. And I know how wonderful she is because I was her first client. Oh my goodness. And so my mother is the reason every time I see a woman in pain, in the discomfort of this beautiful masterpiece that we get to live in, because she's too big, too fat, too heavy, too skinny, too tall, too dark, too brown, too loud, too soft, too quiet, too boobs too big, ass too big, you know, whatever it is, whatever the conversation of the less thanness of the shame that's attached to this magnificent masterpiece that we get to live in. Every time I hear it, I feel it, I see it, I want to leap in 
and I want to pull the covers off these beautiful women's faces. And I want to say, please put on these beautiful clothes because when you do, we can all go out and play together. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Liana, thank you so much for sharing that. How did you, how did you, react when you were on stage (laughs) in the midst of this room of people. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So this room was supposed to be for 40 people and I'd asked the organizers to do a bigger breakout, to give me a bigger breakout session because there was going to be more people in there after a keynote than you go into a breakout. So there were 120 people standing in a room of 40 (laughs) and we were all crying together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I asked my mom to come up to the stage. It was actually one of those pivotal healing moments for both of us because I'm the oldest. I was very resistant. I'm outspoken. I come from a Persian Jewish background where girls don't speak up. I got married at 16. I had my daughter at 18. And I got divorced at 21. Mm -hmm. And so I was always the one you know, the thorn in people's sides, especially in my community. And when I created Image Therapist International, it was was for the sake of women speaking their truth and living in this body that we get to have without you twisting yourself into a pretzel or or not being good enough because you're taller or shorter or browner or louder or, you know? Yes, yeah. Why, Why do we as women have to twist ourselves into some pretzel so we befit fashion. (laughs) So this process of image therapy that I created is you're the antenna, you be who you are, and the clothing needs to be for who you are. It needs to be fit your essence. It needs to be fit your coloring. You're never going to twist yourself into a pretzel to be fit what fashion is saying. Mm -hmm. And so when I became a fashion designer, it was on the basis of who's in front of me. So I only did custom clothes. And in that process, I realized, you know, there's this mother that comes in with these two twins and she says, you have to dress them, but the same because they're 18 and they have to find husbands, Persian woman, of course. And I said, no, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm not going to do that. These are two different people. No, they look the same. They get the same dress. They have to find husbands. And asking these two young women about who they are, and one of them said, I want this dress and it has to be cut down to here and I want my boost to show and I want everyone to see me and I'm going to find myself a husband. I'm like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I turn to her sister who looks exactly the same, is exactly the same imprint in lookalike, and this is what I say. I say, so Eva, how do you, how do you want to be? I don't want. To, I don't even want to go to this party. You know what, Liana? I don't even like boys. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to dress. I don't want to go to this wedding. I'm never going to get married to a boy. So wow. here were these two girls looking exactly the same, and when they open their mouth everything changed. Mm -hmm. When you looked at their body language, they were like from two different universes. So I realized, oh my God, there's a formula that every human being has. So I created something called Your Essential Formula. 
you have your coloring, you have your body structure, and then you have the sound of your voice. So you're looking at me right now, Katie, or you saw a picture. Can you imagine if my voice was like this? I'd be a very different person, wouldn't I? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and people don't yeah. think about this. They don't think they enter a room and the three-dimensionality of your amazingness of your masterpiece shows up. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be an extrovert. That doesn't mean you have to be anybody else but you because right. everyone else is taken. Yeah. I, I, what's amazing to me is that in all of my professional experiences, um, and I'm in my you know mid thirties, um, this is not talked about. It's felt deeply, but it's really there's not a lot of transparency or mentorship around this. And there was one video, a TED talk, I think, that I saw when I was a graduate student. And as a graduate student you know, at the time anyway, for me, my journey, I had very little money. I felt out of place with a lot of older male academics and was needing to present at conferences for the first time and have a voice and let that voice be heard and have room at the table, if you will. And it's amazing. This this one TED Talk, and I'll try to link it in the show notes. You, you maybe have seen it. It's about how before you walk onto a stage or into an interview, you should do it's certain... The body, it's yeah. the body talk. Yeah, it's, it's the, the power. Talk. Yeah, the power fish, poses. Yeah. 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 So I starfit. I still do that, but, but I yeah. feel like it's a little... It never struck me as having the same level of depth that you're describing with image therapy. You know, it's it's a little superficial. Like it's it's sort of like we posture and we pose to reflect power, which is important. But um, it didn't go to this level of thinking of inner transformation. It's Amy Cuddy. Cubby, I know exactly which talk you're talking about. And there is a space for that conversation. Yes. And it's valid. It's yes. valid. All of it is valid. The, what what my work is about, or my conversation, my invitation to anyone who's listening to this, is not about that's not okay, or this is not enough, or that. It's about you begin here. You, we begin inside. So this is um, two years ago when I went to um, Jordan. I got invited by one of the princesses of Jordan. We created a, a deeper level to the healing art of image therapy, and so we were. Um, Princess Noor and I, we were talking a lot about this, and she said, "Come, come, come and visit, and let's talk about this." So, we, so I'm in Jordan, and she had been so unbelievably gracious, and we, she's she's very much a proponent of women's rights and girls' rights and children having their voice, and she said, "Liana, how do you present this?" in a way that people actually understand it and because she hadn't seen this work. And when we went around, we had like five, six, seven, eight speaking engagements. And I was presenting this to the bank, to Bank Etzahat, to all their managing directors. And half of the women were covered, you know, with hijabs, gorgeous, gorgeous women. And what was so interesting about this, I saw... You know, it doesn't matter whether I'm presenting this in Paris to, to fashion models or designers or whether I'm presenting it in the Middle East. We all have the same conversation that's going on inside. At the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, there's a little tiny conversation of, will I ever be good enough? No matter how beautiful you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how much you've learned, no matter how many degrees we have. And that's what I'm 
a champion for, to let go of the bottom of that barrel because it's not valid. It's not a valid conversation. The conversation of lack, the conversation of lack is just a conversation that's like a dark wolf. If we feed it, it'll stay alive. And so you found as you've worked with different groups of women that there's a sort of global or universality to that inner voice. Yes, there is. And we can go back into our history and we can find the moment where we made that contract. So it's enough when a child that is creative comes out of its mother's bedroom and goes with, a, with her mother's G-string or bra on her head, right? And she comes out and she's like all excited. Mom, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Mom! Right? <laughs> she, she gets all excited and she wants to do that. And she wants to do like, I'm so excited, Mom! And she says, I have a new hat. Okay? <laughs> So she goes out and all the mother has to do is just one single half breath of a disapproving gaze. She doesn't even have to say anything. And we all know that gaze. Mm -hmm. We all know it because we know it in our bodies. We've all experienced it as children from our parents, from whoever. Mm -hmm. And that child in that moment makes a contract. And the contract can be anything from, I'm not good enough, I can't be creative. The child doesn't know the difference between a bra or a G-string or a hat. Mm -hmm. The child is just using something to get itself excited. And the, the creativity of children is boundless. And sadly enough, then we shut that door and we shut another door and then we grow up and we shut another door and somebody says you're fat and we shut that door and we shut. So we are in this cocoon. Debbie Ford talks about it in her beautiful book, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. She says, where are these castles? And then somebody walks in and doesn't like the living room and somebody else walks in into our castle and doesn't like the dining room. And then we shut off all these rooms inside of ourselves until we live in the little tiny hallway on the floor between the kitchen and the bathroom. And that's where we get to live because that's the only place that, ever, that no one's criticized. Right. But see, here's the thing. Here's the agency that we have. When we get to recognize and acknowledge who we are, when we get to recognize this masterpiece, just pretend there's no one out there for a minute. When there's no one out there, no one can come and attack you except we do a pretty good job of abusing ourselves inside our brains just by ourselves. We don't need bad boyfriends in our bed because... <laughs> There's a, a, a bad girlfriend sitting right here in my brain. Mm -hmm. and, and I give agency to that voice. I always say, you know, your brains are not a good neighborhood to go into by yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but we do. And then, yeah. and then it becomes real. And, it's, and there's, no, there's no evidence for it. Like when I, when I do my trainings or I work with clients, I say, well, where's the evidence for that? that you're fat, that you're ugly, that you're whatever. And, and they say, well, it's in the mirror. And I say, really? Show me. Because mm -hmm. I don't see it. You know, I had this beautiful actress, famous actress, can't say her name. She's standing in my studio. We're doing an up level. 
I put a dress on. I say, I'm just going to go get you a glass of water. I'll be right back. I come back in three minutes and the dress is full of tears. Her face is wet. And I say, why are you crying? And she says to me, points to the mirror and she says to me, Liana, it is impossible that that beautiful woman in the mirror is actually me standing here. I am not that beautiful. Wow. And that's someone who's getting accolades from the whole world all the time. Mm -hmm. But what's really happening inside is the nourishment is coming from the world. But if I can't allow it in, then my masterpiece will just contract and shrivel like a plant that's not getting watered. And so the work of self-image therapy is really seeing that the blueprint that I have on the inside and the blueprint that happens on the outside, which is the cloak, the clothing, the wardrobe, which happens to be my second skin, when those two are in harmony, then I can show up in the world in comfort because comfort shows up in my voice, it shows up in my face, it shows up in every single way that I connect to the universe and the world. And mostly it shows up when situations are difficult and there are breakdowns and I choose to stand in my beauty. I choose to stand in the glory of who I am. And that's where freedom and empowerment lives. I love and that. It doesn't, and it doesn't get fed from the outside. It gets fed from in here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, can we, can you share with me your thoughts on, especially in professional settings in career settings, there's, you know, and I think this is true for every social setting. And so I, I'm a rhetorician. And so I'm always thinking of similar things, but from the, the aspect of language and how it shifts depending on who you're talking to and what context and what community and constantly evolving. Yeah. And I think that our second skin, as you call it, our, our clothing choices, it's the same, right? They're constantly shifting based on the situations we're in, the environments we're in. And as we and in some ways, uh, obviously, there's a socioeconomic aspect to wardrobe and uh, some of the limitations that can make someone have that inner voice that says, I don't belong here, can come from not you being mean? able to afford the certain clothes or fit into certain settings because, you know, there's sort of a, we're always, I think with language. And so here, here's my, here's where it comes in as like a, a rhetoric thing for me. We <laughs> enter a, a discourse community and we, we listen for how people talk and we try to meet them where they're at and connect. Cause at the end of the day, we all want to be a tribe. Right. And so we're listening and we're trying to match their language and mirror. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And wardrobe situations I feel are so maybe even more than language have that same kind of community interaction so so anyway I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and especially (laughs) when it comes to navigating who we what, what kind of professional lives we want right for ourselves and the ways that wardrobe can block or open yeah 
So Katie, we, we need to do like a five-part series. <laughs> right, I, yeah. I, was actually, I was talking to your husband about that because I said, JJ and I, we have these ideas and we want to do a five-part series. Here's, here's why this is so important. So I, um, one of my taglines is, I provide transformation through the empowerment of language, choices, and wardrobe. So the ontology of language, so you as a linguist or as a, what what do you, did you say your rhetorician rhetorician okay so i'll call any of them are fine that they're very so, similar <laughs> so i say this to you from a woman who dreams in five languages i speak six or seven i dream in five wow so when i say something to you in english it to me it doesn't feel the same way as if i would say it wenn ich jetzt mit dir deutsch sprechen würde dann würde in mir etwas ganz anderes passieren so if i were to speak to you in german inside yeah. of me something something very different would be happening or farsi Or Hebrew. (laughs) Yeah, right. So it's very different. Now, the same, the same. So let's just take that context and say, okay, well, what if you're going to France or Germany or Italy or Persia? So the context of clothing choices, let's start there. People don't have clothing choices, people have reactions. Most people do not choose their clothing, they think they do. But really, they know. Okay, and I tell have, me more. I have 40 years of proof of that. So most people do not use their clothing as a frame. They use it as armor. Hmm. Because the conversation of lack is so powerful. Look, the reason why I am not in the fashion industry is because the fashion industry... Um, and and I don't want to say this about everybody, but I, I do know a lot about it. and they they make you bleed on your own lack and then sell try to sell you pieces from a place of you're not good enough i don't do that mm-hmm. i pick you up where you're at and i want to empower you so that i don't care where you're buying your t-shirts at target or at neiman marcus you need to know what looks good on you so that when you find a piece even especially when it's in a secondhand store, that you can make yourself look the most magical and beautiful and comfortable and amazing because the tools you are choosing are the tools that your masterpiece needs. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in any of this, oh, because you're this, you have to have these clothing in order to make yourself feel better. That's not how my brain works. Look, I used to make $5,000 evening gowns. So, So it's not... A question of how expensive is the piece, I know that our society lives by that. Our society lives by labels. Our society lives by the messaging of the labels. What if you had tools in your sanctuary, in your closet, but most people don't have closets. They have museums. They have trash cans. They have storage units. They don't have their second skin live in a sanctuary. Oh, tell me more about this. So what do you recommend? <laughs> You're right. This so, is going to have to be a five-part series. I'm telling, I, I, was, I was telling, I was talking to Stephen earlier and I said, we have this idea of a five-part series that we really want to give you. So, you know, JJ and I have talked about what happens when you, when you're wearing a uniform Okay. Mm, yes. Now you can have an army uniform. You can have an air force uniform. You can be a judge and have a uniform. You can have 
all kinds of uniforms. And then there are people who become so small in their expression into the world that they only wear this and this and this and this. And I grew up in a city, Hamburg, that had uniforms. Every woman had to have a pleated skirt and they had to have their Burlington socks and that they had the little pearl thingies and uniform. That means you're this. So self-expression and understanding your masterpiece is a path to a PhD in design of who you are. I love that. Which wasn't taught to us when we were children. Not at all. Right. Yeah, not at all. First, first we're told to talk. Then we talk. Then they tell us to shut up. Then we're told. <laughs> then they tell us, "Oh, get creative. Make Legos. Do this." Then you get creative. Then you do that. Then you come out of your mother's bedroom with underwear on your head, and then they tell you to stop being creative. So it's like push pull, push pull. Yes, okay? absolutely. And, and then we grow up, and then we're writing poems, meaning we're creating our life in language with words, like writing on a chalkboard and with, with our right hand. And with the left hand, we have a wet sponge, and we're making it all go away. So you're, the creativity that's possible and the, and the possibilities that are possible are inside of our closet. And what is going on in your closet, if you really look and are honest with yourself, that's what's going on in your mind and in your heart. People have four different sizes. They open their closets and their clothes are talking at them. You bought me. You never wore me. There's a $500 tag on me. And why aren't you wearing me? Guilt, guilt, guilt. Adrenaline, cortisol, adrenaline, cortisol. And then you wonder why women are carrying belly fat. And you wonder why women don't feel sensual. And you wonder why. It's like, it, it's five-part series. <laughs> tell you <laughs> what what should what should walking into your closet in the morning feel like in an ideal Ooh. you know when 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 you're kind of striving for yes. a healthy self-image i can tell you that every single piece in your closet has a mother a brother a sister and shoes to match <laughs> i love that <laughs> everything and you know why they do because every single piece has to first and foremost look amazing on you, right? And once it looks amazing on you, every single other piece that comes into your closet or onto your body, because it looks amazing on you, it's going to have mothers and brothers and sisters and cousins and shoes to match and earrings and necklaces because it is all a expression of your blossoming. Now, this is the same for men. But people buy clothes that walk in a half an hour before they do, and then they leave the party an hour after the person does, and totally drunk. And the only thing people remember is that, do you remember that red suit? Oh my God, that print. Was that a Picasso? What was that? But they don't remember the person. Mm-hmm. So people don't buy clothing to frame them. People buy clothing, most people, before they get this work into their bodies. They don't even know that they're doing it. They buy clothing to hide the boobs, to hide the butt, to hide the thing, to hide the, it's not good enough. Oh my God, I wish I was skinnier, fatter, shorter. You know, it's always about a Mm Band-Aid. So when you ask, what would a beautiful wardrobe look like? It's an expression of who you are. It's an effortless, easy, magical way to show up who you are in all your amazingness. 
But most people don't have that. Most people don't have a sanctuary. Most people have this expression. They go into their closet and they're frustrated. They open the closet, they're even more frustrated. Then they have to go to a party. They don't know what to wear. They have maybe two things that are their fallbacks, but they wear 20% of their closet 80% of the time. They go in, they're trying to get ready for a party. They're naked. Their bed has a huge pile of clothes on it. Their bed is dressed and the closet is empty and they still don't know what to wear. Right. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what closet full of clothes, nothing to wear. And so it is all of these pieces that have gotten me into a place where, you know what, this, you can really learn this. This is not so difficult. JJ is going through it right now. And to see for me as a mentor, the, the biggest joy is to see my clients soar. I never want anyone to be dependent on me. I want to give you a task. I want to give you a principle. I want to give you lessons. And then I want you to go out and soar. Come back, learn some more, implement what you've learned and watch how people around you go, what? Are you in love? What happened to you? Did you lose 20 pounds? Because it, it, you can do that. Yes, yes. Well, what do you say to, you know, I think especially in a time of, of the pandemic, what we wear is so dramatically changed. So what are your thoughts and feelings? What, what conversations are you having with your clients now? Should we be getting fully dressed every day or not? Yes. What, are you, what are your thoughts? Do not do, so when you don't have pants on and you're only dressed from the waist up, um, 95% of your language is body language. It will show up in your voice and it will show up on camera. Mm. That withhold or that not telling the truth shows up somewhere. It can show up at the end of a sentence. It can show up with the lack of you really empowering yourself in your language. You know, I was um, doing a conference call and I taught this three-hour class to lots of thought leaders and business owners. And I said, look, right now, the camera on your Zoom or on your phone or on your computer is the IV is the IV that you get to choose the tool that you get to choose to put your authentic self into someone else's heart and for those of us who've spoken on big stages 5000 10000 15000 people we're not at the back of the room anymore we are on other people's laps like That's we're right. on 5 million people have us as speakers, as mentors, on their laps, and we are in their bedroom, in their bed with them. Right. <laughs> right. So you have up close. authenticity. <laughs> yes, up close and so personal. <laughs> or they're sitting on the toilet. I mean, I'm sorry I'm being so blunt, but... No, it's true. But, that, <laughs> but this is what's happening. Right, right. Okay. And so this is... And now in COVID, it is even more... The, the urgency is, is dialed up. The urgency for your authenticity and for your own comfort level with yourself between you and you and God, when you're in the authority of who you are, when you can express your agency through this medium, people are going to know you're telling the truth. The person on the other side, it's not the content of what you're speaking about. It's the delivery of the content included in the authenticity of the bubble of who you are. Can you let another person know that you see them 
And that begins with being able to see yourself. I say, there's an exercise that I give my students, my clients, I say, seek your sister's greatness rather than her guilt. Seek another person's greatness rather than their guilt. Because the world today is not built to seek greatness. The world today is blame. I'm going to blame this person. And the first sister that you see in the morning, the first person you see is yourself in the mirror. So go seeking your greatness and bring that greatness to this conversation. And that's essentially, that's essentially what I do. I love it. Wow, Liana, thank you so much for sharing that. I, there's so much to dive into more from this conversation. We didn't get to talk more about uniforms. We didn't get to talk about <laughs> affirmations and things that routines and habits and ways we can change them in order to transform our ways of, of looking at the mirror. But um, I think we will be doing this five-part series. (laughs) Uniforms, let me just give you one sentence on uniforms. Uniforms will not do the diversity of who you are justice. That's right. So yeah, when you are in uniform, there are different ways to show up authentically. That's a beautiful point. Yes, yes. And I'm fascinated by the ways uniforms allow for certain action and disallow for other actions. And that's not just literal uniforms. That's also how we show up and how we, even if we're working on a wardrobe of choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's still so much I think to talk about when it comes to social pressures and how we navigate that professionally. Yeah. It's a big conversation, Katie. Fit in, but just enough, you know, all of that. But this is a big conversation and what we give meaning to look, uniforms are in the domain of meaning. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have, you're in the domain of language. So everything that is created in the world is created in the domain of language. When you make a declaration, when I make a declaration, then I am the authority to make a declaration on my life. Okay. Uniforms falls into that. So I am saying this is my declaration of being in the world because I'm, I am committed to the Air Force or I'm committed to the clergy or I'm committed. So a uniform says a lot to the world and then there's still the person behind the uniform. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, it's a huge topic. It isn't just like, we can't just like say, oh, well, let's just scratch the surface on that. It's a deep topic. Yes. Yes. Agree. I know. I wish we had more time today to talk. (laughs) Would you mind leaving us with, you've already shared so much advice and so much about how to sort of reframe the way we look at clothing. Um, But could you share with us something that all of us can do starting tomorrow morning after listening to this conversation? You can start it right now. So I'm writing a TED talk on not wearing black because black is the absence of color. You each, each of you listening to this, you have your own personal black and your own personal black can be achieved by looking deeply into your eyes and seeing what your eye color is. Look at your hair color, your eye color, look at the color of your veins, look at the color that is contained in your skin. And there's a color in there. It's either navy if your eyes are blue or chocolate brown if your eyes are brown or hair is brown. It's a dusty rose. It's a burgundy. It's a purple. A color that you can wear taken to its darkest level will be your personal black. I love it. 
And it is the most powerful experience to put black on one shoulder, silent black, and put your personal black on the other shoulder. Go stand in front of a mirror where the light hits your face and notice the difference because silent black will always make you look tired and haggard and lifeless. And your personal black will always make you shine. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I'm, I would love to hear people's reactions to that and, and their experiments with it. So as you're listening, um, try this out and see if you can find your personal black. I can't wait to hear your TED talk <laughs> on this topic. How wonderful. Liana, I, I'm so grateful that you've made time to talk with us today. Where can listeners follow you and your work and learn more about image therapies? So they will get a, a beautiful little gift series that talks about your essential formula, which for everyone would be really helpful. So it's you go to bettheoffer.com, bettheoffer.com, B-E-T-H-E-O-F-F-E-R.com. And you sign up with your name. It's a beautiful little series that tells you all about what's included in your essential formula and you can learn you learn a lot and if you're interested just you know connect with me on instagram facebook go to be the offer there's so much knowledge out there that i i love giving first so i think that everyone should have an experience of this if they want to and there's a lot out there for you to see follow me on instagram liana shauli or go to facebook and follow me there and I'd love to connect with you. Every Thank person you. is a world unto themselves. And so if I get to know you, it's even better. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to the, continue the conversation and we'll keep everyone updated as we dive in a little deeper to some of these topics, hopefully in the future. Thank yeah. you, Liana. Have a wonderful Thank evening. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on social media and add your voice to the conversation. You can find us at Untold Content.